It is a Wednesday, March 24th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL-adjacent podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And Will, how is the view from, not the top of the ladder, but sort of up the top half of the ladder. Here's how the view is from a victory in round one. Comfortable. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like I've been able to spend the entire weekend saying to people, like when people are like, hey, the Bulldogs were good. I was like, ah, I'll need to be better. But with the good knowledge that they were good enough. Yeah. The fact that Brody Grundy has got three votes uh, in the last three games against us in the Brown Low. And the fact that he was like one of the worst players on the ground. He actually wasn't. He dominated the hit out still and still had quite a good game. But just compared to the fact that he's been clearly best on ground in the three previous games, the fact that Stefan Martin came down and managed to nullify that was probably the most pleasing thing out of the whole game, I think. You know what I noticed most about the Bulldogs game? I pretty much watched the whole thing is that it was – I got a real pang of nostalgia to see Josh Bruce doing Josh Bruce things like – I'm I'm just so glad that some things haven't changed. Like he he works so hard to get to the right position. He'll throw himself into a pack. He'll take that grab and then he'll just kick it out of bounds on the full. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you know what? I actually feel, I was like, oh, that's nice. I mean, it's kind of nice to see him doing it for another team. It's The funny thing about Josh Bruce, I find, is that he looks like he should be a show, a show pony. Yeah. He presents, you know, he plays a position on the ground he presents in a physical way and like his whole look as if he could be a massive show pony. And yet, ironically, the way that he actually plays on the ground is that he's relentless. He throws his body into packs. He you know, puts his body on the line. He really does a lot of like team-motivated things. And then he's just got a little bit of the Levi Casbolts about him where yeah. you're like, okay, now that you've done all the hard work to earn the ball, are you going to kick it into your own face? <laughs> Like it's, it seems to be the role of the second tall forward, isn't it? Like, you know, for every Joe Dunaher, there's a Sean McKernan. For every Nick Revolt, there's a Cozzy. You know, there's got to be that dude whose job is just be a human battering ram and occasionally kick the ball into your own face. Yeah, what we really need here is a second banana. Unfortunately, yeah. the Bulldogs, we're having trouble settling on who our first banana is, but we've definitely locked in second banana. Josh Bruce is definitely a great second banana. Well, that first quarter, I was like, holy shit, the Bulldogs looked electric. You just looked so good. And since uh, the first episode we recorded, the season preview, um, I have been on Bailey Smith's Instagram and you're right. <laughs> I feel weird. Like I kind of felt that maybe I'm on a government list now, that maybe there's I've been red flagged. Maybe to catch a predator, like, no, I'm gonna get an invite to meet Bailey for a coffee somewhere and then Chris Hansen's gonna walk out like In I a mean, giant mullet wig. <laughs> it's a very sexy Instagram. Like and like I mean, he's cut. Like he's so cut, he the, he's he's got the kind of cut body that you like. Well, that's not functional. He's got the kind of body that you see an actor get into the kind of shape to play a superhero. We're like, well, that looks good on camera, but that's not a functional body. That's just aesthetics. Yeah, but he you compl- look at Bailey Smith and you just think, ah, oh, he's been cast in the new Thor movie. Yeah, he's got the haircut, he's got the body, but then you watch him play football and you go, oh, and he can also fly. Yeah. Like- <laughs> It's amazing that he's not only got he, he's got in such good shape that he's learned how to fly. I reckon he, I that first at least the first half of that game on on, on was it Thursday or Friday I can't even remember now. But I was thinking he could win a brown though. Like he could easily win a brown though. He just seems to have all the attributes that umpires love and he's you got to say he's eye catching. <laughs> like I mean, he look you can't miss him on the field. He's just so noticeable, but He's fast, he's tough, he's skillful. I mean, I know all the talk is around Bont being your, being your next Brownlee medalist, but it would not surprise me if Bailey Smith gets there first because I think Bont's always going to get your best tagger or your best negator, and Bailey Smith's gonna, has got another year to run right before people have to clamp down on him. I think Bont's our best player. I think Bailey Smith's our best midfielder. Right. 
you know, Bond obviously has that capacity to go forward, play in different roles, but I think just as a pure midfielder, Bailey Smith's got to be the number one in our team now. And he's got to be top five, top ten in the entire league of midfielders at the yeah. moment. Like, he's in that conversation, I think. And that is – he's 20 years old. Mm. He was everywhere. Like, it was crazy. It felt like you had, like, five of him. He just was in defense. He was in attack. And he also plays with that kind of, like, you know, that Jack Steven sort of sheepdog kind of quality where you just see him, like, these like, little legs are running around. And he just chases the ball with this manic kind of energy. And since you tipped me off on the Instagram, I felt a bit weird about it. It's like, I need to learn a bit more about him. And so I watched the um, Damien About Barrett. Baz Lenka. Sorry, Baz Lenka, of course. His oh, yeah, Instagram his, uh, handle, handle, Baz Lenka. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like, I like this kid. I'm thinking that this could be, he could right. maybe be two guys, one cups, new kind of like cult hero. There's just a lot about him that's so interesting. I made a bad mistake though. I, uh, as I was watching the Bulldogs game, I was live tweeting and I made a joke, which I was like, gee, this is, I thought this deserved a better response than it's getting. It's very lukewarm. And I, I, the joke I intended to say was, uh, unless Bailey Smith is driving around in a red Corvette, that haircut is for nothing. But my fatal mistake, Will, was I said, unless Bailey Dale is driving around in a red Corvette. And then I was like, oh, that's why. No. And then finally a Bulldog supporter very kindly just wrote Smith, question mark. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Very on brand for this show. Well, you know what the problem is, Charlie? Much like, you know, St Kilda's got a lot of jacks. We've got three Baileys. Yeah. And they're all pretty good, our Baileys. Like, I think I've, I've said this before. I think the Bulldogs are at their best with three Baileys, much like a grandmother at, you know, bingo night. <laughs> and what I have managed to do in the meantime, and perhaps you, I hopefully you didn't stumble into this when you're doing some Bailey research, but did you happen to read Bailey Smith's pocket profile, Charlie? Oh, no, I haven't. Well, for the first time in season 2021, let's Fantastic. have a little. Uh, dip into a pocket profile and in reverse charlie i always like a reverse pocket profile yeah, let's when do a reverse one you have so let's get you inside the head of uh, one of your new favorite players bailey smith yep. well i'll have to get new said because there's no way i'm getting into that body unless like i reverse by 20 years and take steroids <laughs> okay what is his nickname uh Baslenka. okay so it's it, it, it says on here that it's a sh it's even shorter than that but you're on the in the right zone Baza. Baza? Even shorter, Baz. but you're in the right zone. Baz. Baz. Baz, okay. Uh, any pre-game superstitions or routines it has to do with items of clothing he wears on the field? Uh, he always always wears the same underpants. Same socks? Ah, damn it. I bet you he doesn't wear underpants. <laughs> he seems like that kind of... Like, he seems like the... Uh, who's the, the hunky dude in the second series of Stranger Things? You know, the... The older brother who comes into it, who's all like sexy and has the affair with a married woman and stuff. That's what I think Bailey Smith is. Okay. Well, I think very on brand for this podcast, important to him is wearing the same socks. Okay. Yeah. This, this is a guy who doesn't want to chuck his socks in with everybody else post game, have them washed by the, the boot starter or like somebody looking after the team. This is a guy who's taking his own socks home. He's caring for his own socks so he can wear those same pair of socks. Yeah. Uh, what's the greatest individual effort he's seen on the footy field? This is a real, you know, sometimes I'll go That's for a, a joke answer yeah. here, but this is a real individual effort. It has to do with a famous semi-final. Okay. Um, I think you and I might have been together watching this semi-final from memory. Okay. Not uh, at the game. It, it, we, it is a Bulldogs team. Was it a Bulldogs teammate? It was not Bulldogs. Okay, so it wasn't Bulldogs at all. No. So, semi-finals. So which semi-finals have you and I been to? We weren't there at the game. We were oh. watching it together. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll give you a clue. In Sydney with a whole bunch of friends. Uh, okay. Mm, I don't know. I give up. 2005, Nick Davis's four-goal final quarter. Ah, uh, I was not with you in Sydney. Oh, I was you in weren't. Melbourne because I remember watching that on my couch in oh, Melbourne yeah, with right, a okay. couple of friends in Melbourne. Must so have you been with me. a bunch of our other friends. Sorry, <laughs> my fault. <laughs> um, a player from another team you'd love to play with and why uh, this player oh interesting oh okay well I'd give away too much if I said I don't know which of these players he's referring to okay um, all right. oh so it's someone with a, who shares in uh, okay Josh Kennedy uh, no no oh fuck you've gone past um, the very obvious one have I yeah uh, oh but uh, 
So it's someone who shares a name with another footballer. Is is one of them much more famous than the other one? Like they're what's both much? super famous. They are then, both considered to be amongst the top ten players who have ever played in the history of the AFL. Oh, Gary Ablett. Gary Ablett. So right. he says Gary Ablett. He's the goat. But yep. I don't know if he means junior or senior. It'd have to be junior, right? Who is the better? Who is the goat out of those two? I opinion? believe. I believe Junior. I think Junior had a better career than Senior. Senior was a better player at his best, and yes. Junior was a more consistent player. That's right. Yep, yep, I agree. Uh, best rule in footy. What's the best rule in footy? Um, does it favour midfielders? Um, it favours somebody who tackles as hard as he does. Holding the ball. Holding the ball. And the worst? Uh, is it deliberate? No, it, it could be something that you could do while trying to tackle someone or while trying to take a mark. Oh, too, too high. Hands too in high the contact. back. Hands in the back. Hang on, he thinks that is the worst rule. Yeah. I mean, no elaboration with that. <laughs> a follow-up question, Mr. Smith. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all right, would you just speculate for a second? Why do you think that someone might have a, a problem with hands in the back? I guess there was an era like, you know, uh, in the 90s, 80s and 90s where you could put your hands in someone's back to take a mark, maybe create some space. He, maybe he's a real specky dude. Like maybe at his height, the only real high marks he can make, he wants to be taking Warwick Kappa style speckies, but he can't because of the dumb hands in the back rule. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, that makes sense. How many games of footy does he watch each weekend? Does I he strike you as a footy head or a non-footy head? Non-footy head. I reckon he's got too much shit to do. I reckon he's got to be. He's going to be. He'll be in his tight, tight white shorts, shirtless, washing his Corvette in the driveway on a Saturday, <laughs> and then uh, I reckon he watches no, no football. Three to four games a weekend. Oh shit! He's, he's a footy head. Your favorite TV football show? Uh, front bar. No, I think it'd be one that we would nominate probably as our favourite football TV show. Oh, 360. AFL 360 is an AFL 360 man. Doesn't, again, would have liked a follow-up question, mm. are you a Robbo man or a Jared man? Is That's anyone a Robbo man? <laughs> <laughs> like, does anyone tune into 360 for Robbo? Like, you tune in to see what is Robbo going to do next, but you're not tuning in for Robbo. It's more Jared's reaction to Robbo. I must admit, though, Robbo was off last night and I watched and Rui, Nick Rewalt, with his sharp new haircut that I sent you a picture of on the weekend. <laughs> you did. Uh, <laughs> That's what you and I do now is send each other photos of footballers. It's a bit weird. <laughs> but Nick Rewalt is rocking a very modern style haircut, the sort of haircut that we would mock Trent Cotchin for rolling into a uh, big finals game with, you know. But on Nick Rewalt in his media role, I like this new sharp hipper Nick Rewald. I feel like his personality has developed a lot more. He's really kind of growing into himself as a commentator. But when he was on the panel with Jared last night on 360, I was just like, this show is nowhere near dumb enough. Yeah. Like the dumb balance is completely thrown out on this show because there's two really quite articulate people talking about the game. Well, it's like The Simpsons without Homer. Like you need yeah. the buffoon. Like the other characters have no context unless you've got the buffoon. For them right, to play yeah. off. You don't want to see an episode where we're like, Homer's gone and we've replaced him with a second Lisa. No thanks. Speaking of Rui, um, someone uh, contacted us on Twitter. He gave uh, his old nemesis, Free Stanley, a whack uh, on the weekend. Oh, no, on, on Monday night on, on the couch. He said that uh, Free Stanley wasn't working hard enough. And it made me think um, – I've been watching uh, Making Their Mark, which is a, a sponsor of the show. So thank you to uh, Amazon Prime and the makers of uh, Making Their Mark. Fantastic shot. How many episodes have you seen? I've only watched the first one so far. Okay. And you liked it? Yeah, so far. So far, so good. It's, it gets better. And there is some great um, in-game footage of Eddie Betts. And it's uh, post the sort of racism uh, stuff where he had to sort of speak out last year. And they're playing Geelong and they've got him mic'd up. And it's a really great fun sequence. <laughs> but there's a bit where he's giving Reece Stanley shit. <laughs> and I'm like, poor Reece Stanley. Like, I thought it was just Rui who targeted him. But you see Eddie Betts saying to him, mate, I didn't, know you, I didn't even know you could kick over 30 metres. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, poor old Reece Stanley. I didn't know he was the whipping boy of the entire AFL. Even Eddie Betts. Like, when you're being sledged by Eddie Betts, the most beloved player in the AFL, and everyone's like, everybody loves Eddie Betts. All the other players love Eddie Betts. And poor Reece Stanley's at home going, fucking Eddie Betts. I mean, do you think it is one of those things where 
you know, we'll look back in a few years. Like we've made fun of Reese Stanley and Rui's made fun of Reese Stanley. Do you think we'll look back in a few years and go, geez, that was, that was harsh. You saw that horrible clip of, hey, hey, it's Saturday that went out yesterday of them making fun of Kamal. <laughs> I wonder if like in a few years time we'll be like, a bit harsh on Reese Stanley. I mean, the guy did his best. I mean, here's what I will say about Reese Stanley is that as far as I know, he's like a white straight cis man. So probably the only, um, you know, person that you're still allowed to make fun of at this stage but if that changes in the next few years yes we could be in a lot of trouble <laughs> look i feel like we've mostly made fun of nick rewalt making fun of reese stanley yeah, to be true. fair yeah i mean jesse white another story completely <laughs> sorry sorry jesse in retrospect <laughs> preemptive put, apology put, put this apology at the end of the jesse they said i wasn't even playing anymore <laughs> they retired me uh, okay, um, we're getting into some good stuff now. Favorite okay. commentator and why? Uh, still commentating these days? Yes, in fact, has recently got a promotion. Oh, um, hmm, promotion. Uh, so Channel 7 then, Channel 7 yes. commentator. Um, Victorian? Uh, yeah, well, yes, identified as a Victorian, but I think he might actually be from Western Australia. I can't remember where he was from originally. Hmm. Um but uh, uh, identified it, was, as a Victorian. Well, was it one of the ones that we talked about last week? It's not. It's not. It's not Hutto, right? When we talked about who's replacing Macaroni. No, think about like you know Baz Lenka, how he's yeah, living yeah. his life in his Corvette. What sort of commentary is he going to be like? He loves uh, Jimmy James Brayshaw. Close, but even uh, leaning like that more. Sorry, well, like it's Brian Taylor. Brian Taylor is his favourite commentator, and he, he extrapolates on why. Okay, because he loves it. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can't dispute that, Bailey Smith. When it comes to football, BT certainly loves it. <laughs> he loves it. Favourite meal the night before a game? Sorry, just to go back to the BT thing. He didn't wasn't tempted to call him Bristle? There was no... No, not even BT. Says Brian Taylor because he loves it. Yeah, right. Okay, sorry. Favourite meal before a game? Yeah. Now, it's, uh, it's going to be... I'm going to narrow it down to three. So you tell me. Oh. If, so is it, it? It's either pasta, steak, or oh, geez, what else is there? Well, what you don't need three. Okay, it's pasta. Uh, or steak. I'm, I'm willing to say it's one of those two things. Now, does he strike me as a pasta boy or a steak boy? He strikes me as a red-blooded male. I'm going to say steak. Steak and salad. Yeah, steak and salad. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what I was thinking. All right. Uh, you, you probably won't get this one. Which teammate should appear on the next series of The Bachelor? For, uh, do for, I know him? Do I know who it is? No, know Fergus him? Green. I don't, don't know who that is. Teammate most likely to succeed after football and why? You, you'd know this footballer. <clears throat> Who's the smartest dude? I mean, Will Minson was always my go-to at the Bulldogs because mm -hmm. he was the smart jazz appreciating dude. So who's your new Will Minson? Who's the... Is it is that is that the angle that a guy has I think got like... I think that's not a bad angle. And, like okay. this person, when he says this... I, you go, yeah, this kind of makes sense. Okay. And is it someone who would be in the top five players of the Bulldogs? It'd be someone who'd be in the top 15 players at the Bulldogs. T Tim English. Uh, probably, um, uh, no, not Tim English. Um, uh, a bit older than Tim English. Uh, a bit, a bit he's older. A, he's but a father-son. Does not narrow it down necessarily at the Bulldogs, but he's a father-son. Uh, uh, does a father-son of a Bulldogs player or just a father-son in general? Of a Bulldogs player. Uh, Tom Liberatore. It is not Tom Liberatore. Mitch Wallace. Mitch Wallace. I don't really Why? know anything about Mitch Wallace. Here, go on. He's prepared for it. Well, for what? <laughs> Come on, mate. Don't leave me hanging. Prepared for what? The same it that BT loves, I imagine. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's the it. It's the vibe. It's the Marbo. Uh, which teammate belts out your club song with the most gusto? I'm Tom surprised Le to hear this, but a, a oh, very, very Tom good footballer. Oh, I would have thought Tom Liberatore. He seems like a he seems like he seems like a card. Will Tom? Liberatore. I would have gone with Tom Liberatore too if I had to just guess off the top of my head. But it is a player who's a bit, even a better player than Tom Liberatore. Uh, is it McRae? Jack McRae apparently belts yeah. out. Now, now Jack Jack McRae is it Jackson McRae? Because I keep calling uh, him Jackson McRae, and I don't know if I'm getting that wrong. I well, he's always gone by Jack McRae, so... Okay. I just started calling him Jackson McRae, I, I realised, and then I don't even know if that's real or not, or if there's another well, Jackson McRae. I don't think it is, because his Wikipedia is under Jack McRae. Okay, all right, well... I mean, he is Jackson. He was born Jackson, okay, so you, right. 
I'm You're correct. technically correct. Yes. Um, all right. Favorite Netflix series? Oh, it's not Stranger Things. I mean, that would be just way too meta, is it? Stranger Things. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh, that's where he got the idea for the haircut, surely. And that actor who uh, plays that dude is, a, is an Australian. Dacre Montgomery, I believe, is that actor's name. Do, do you reckon? I reckon that's what's happened. I mean, they look so similar. Well, he loves Stranger Things. So uh, is he an Apple Music or Spotify guy? Spotify. 100%. Does he play Fortnite? Yes or no? Yes. Oh, we've got to the bit of this uh, that I always forget is coming and always punches me in the face when we get to it. Favourite comedian. Who oh. is Bailey Smith's favourite comedian? No. And you can tell from the fact that I'm not punching my hands in the air that it is definitely not me. Even though, how many how many free shows or free tickets have you given to the Bulldogs over the years? Enough that you would think it would be compulsory <laughs> to put my fucking name as favourite comedian on your pocket profile, I would have thought. I mean, what me or Danny McGinley. It should be me, Russell Gilbert, or Danny McGinley, and no others allowed at the fucking Bulldogs. Is it a is is it one of the stereo like you know? Is it a, a Carl Barron or a Dave Hughes type? It's answer? not it an Australian newbie? comedian. Okay, all right. Uh, I will say that this comedian, there is a wall of fame at the Sydney Comedy Store where they kind of have a list of all the, mm-hmm. you know, sort of famous people who've played there. And it always gives me great amusement that my name is above this person's name on that wall of fame because this person is unequivocally a much bigger star in the comedy world than I am. An American com- comedian? He's an American comedian. He? It's a he? Okay. He, yes. An American comedian. And Bailey Smith, how old is he, would you say? Like 19, 20. 20? So is it someone who would appeal to a 20-year-old or, or is this? does it seem a bit incongruous that a young guy would follow this comedian? No, I, I think this person has universal appeal. Okay, to young and the old. Is he a yeah. hip hip comedian? Like a mm, That's a very interesting question in the comedy world. I think that he is both overrated and underrated. He's one of those guys that has copped a lot of heat because he's incredibly ambitious and he's super successful. Yeah. But at the same time, I actually think he is a pretty good comedian. Uh, David Straussman. <laughs> Puppeteer, David Straussman. Uh, no, I'm going to say... So hugely successful, overrated and underrated, and has played Australia. Has played Australia several times. Okay. Have I met him? Was I don't think so. Was recently involved in, well, not that recently, but within the last couple of years was involved in a scandal. Oh, God, not like Chris D'Elia, is it? <laughs> Imagine if it was Chris D'Elia. Yes, I love yeah, the actor. And this came out last week. Yeah. And I stand by the fact that I love Chris D'Elia, Louis C.K. and Woody Allen, yeah. my three favourite comedians. Chris D'Elia has been on my Instagram. He's been sending me private messages. <laughs> Since I was 15. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know who this comedian is. Uh, his last name is synonymous with something that you might ex- categorize. You would say Bailey Smith plays with a lot of this in his games. Uh, uh, heart, vigor, a uh, heart, heart, heart. Bob Newhart is <laughs> Bailey Smith. His favorite comedian is Bob Newhart. He's he loves that bus comedian. driver routine. <laughs> he just listens to it pre-match while he's putting on his same pair of socks. He puts on Bob Newhart's bus bus driver routine. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Newhart, uh, Hart. Uh, who's Hart? Hart? Hart. Oh, just tell me. Kevin Hart. Oh, <laughs> Kevin Hart. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. That's brilliant. No, that does make sense. He would definitely be yep. in that category. He grew up on the Kevin Hart films as well. And the other thing is, undersized, yep. but like a bigger performer than like, you know, kind of like needing to prove something to the world. I, I, I can see an affinity there. Uh, what's his favorite possession? His favorite possession is a living thing. His dog. His dog. Well done. What's the name of his dog? Uh, his it- dog might be named after, I don't know if it is, mm. but his dog might be named after another Bulldogs player. Um, his dog is Jason Johannesson. <laughs> <laughs> his dog's name is Jason Johannesson. Yes. <laughs> Um, is it uh, he wouldn't call his dog Bevo that's a pretty gutsy no but but you're close okay Bond (laughs) 
you, you've got Brucey. the first letter Bruce. right, Bruce, and Josh. you've also got the last letter right. Okay, uh, uh, as in the first and last letter are the same. Uh, Bob, 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 Bob Murphy. His dog's name is Bob. That's a cute name for a dog. Uh, What's the best gift you've ever received, Bailey Smith? Oh, I'm going to say... It's the sort of thing that... Oh, you go on. What were you going to say? Um, I reckon the best thing, he's 20 years old. What's the best thing here? Yep. Is um, um, uh, Xbox 360. Oh, so close. You are so close. PS5. Are they PS4. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't know how many PSs are up to. <laughs> the new ones just come out, but this is this predates okay. that. So the okay, PS4. Okay. Um Oh, here we go. If you won Tats Lotto. This is a good list by the, the Bulldogs, by the way. These are good questions. Yeah, I'm, real good. Uh, I'm liking Thanks, this pocket profile. If you won Tats Lotto, what's the first thing you'd buy? Um, what would he buy? What, uh, give me a – is it, a, 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 is it a, an object? Is it an experience? It's, it, it's an object. Right. Um, that it wouldn't be an uncommon thing for people to buy if they won Tats Lotto. It's a car. It's a, it's a sports Bigger. car. Oh, a boat, a yacht. Bigger. Uh, an air, a private jet. Bigger. Oh, what? A spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know, I didn't mention that it flew or transported you <laughs> okay, in any okay. way. You've just run with that yourself. Okay, a mansion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so a mansion. He actually just says a house. Yeah. Um, where would he buy this house? So this is where it gets fun. So he's going to buy a house. Okay, it would so be where, a mansion if it's in one of these places, but where? Where does Bailey Smith imagine all the high rollers yeah. live? Where does Bailey Smith see himself kicking back, hanging out with his yeah. mate Kevin Hart, rolling deep? Uh, is it in Australia? Yes. It better not be the fucking Gold Coast. No, it's not even uh, out of the state that he plays in. Oh. His biggest dream if he wins Tats Lotto is to move, I imagine, about 20, 20 minutes from where he currently lives. All right. Oh, okay, to Spotswood. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> in Spotswood. A kick-ass pad on the Maribyrnong. <laughs> um, he wants to buy a house in Turak or Sorrento. Oh, right. Oh. Well, that's not that. Un- that's not that out of reach for him. I don't. They don't think. No, he I think if he keeps Lotto. playing foot, he doesn't have to win Des Lotto. If he keeps playing football the way that he plays football, he will easily be able to afford both the house in Turak and Sorrento. One hundred percent. What is his favourite holiday destination? Now, what I will say is that we have another podcast. It's called Tofop, and this holiday destination has a very recent link. Uh, to the most recent episode of Tofop, if you check that out. But what is his favourite holiday destination? Norway. No, it's oh. the, in Australia. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> I mean, we've done, I don't know how many episodes about the biggest horse in all of Norway, so I just, that's naturally where my mind You're close. Went. Where did we imagine this week that the biggest horse and oh, his brother, the fattest horse, not, would be? Not Cool and Gadda. Cool and Gadda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Okay. Cool and Gadda. Of all the places in Australia to go to, he's the Southern Gold Coast. That's that's his dream spot. He must have loved the hub last year. Were you guys on the Gold Coast? Yeah, we were. Um, here's what I love about uh, Bailey Smith, you know, so much is that he does have kind of modest dreams. Yeah. He, you know, he's like, I just like a nice house, you know, a, a nicer suburb to where I live now, or maybe just down the coast. You know what? I just love going to Cool and Gadda. Love yeah. the movie Cool and Gadda Gold. Yeah. Got to go up there in the hub. Love Cool and Gadda. Um, what? Who's the most famous person he's ever met? Is mm. it someone to do with a club like uh, Will Anderson or uh, Shane Delia? Uh, this is. Uh, he's a. I don't know if you'll know this person. He's a professional okay. basketballer, I believe. Uh, American. Yeah. Do you know who no. Jason Tatum is? No. No, I think he. I imagine for, he might have played for the Celtics or someone. I think, but I don't know. Okay. Um. The most okay. This is more solid ground for us. Yeah. Most famous person you'd like to meet? Female? No, male. Male. Is it LeBron? LeBron James. Oh my god, <laughs> LeBron James is the Shawshank Redemption of who would you like to meet? <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred percent, he is. Uh, what's his dream job if you weren't a footballer? Is Jake answer real answer? Uh, no, it's a real answer. It's the sort of job that, you know, Jay-Z would also be a good mentor for. I'd like to be a, a business man. Well, here's what I love about this is literally how it's written down is business 
space man <laughs> rather than businessman. So I believe he's gone the Jay-Z, Jay-Z I'm route. a businessman, not a businessman. Yeah. Um, where would be his dream place to live in all the world? Coolangatta. <laughs> he's gone overseas for this one. This is okay. an unusual choice. Oh, really? Okay. So yeah. is it an English-speaking country or not, state? No, not first and foremost. No. But they do speak English there. Is it in uh, Southeast Asia? No, it's not. It's Ooh. it's a very, it's a sort of place that, I mean, the Caribbean. Is it nice? Is it a holiday spot? It's a holiday spot, no doubt okay. about that. Um, but no, not the Caribbean, not Asia. We're talking European. Okay. Um, so Ibiza. No, not as Too- party as that. Okay, but uh, somewhere in the Greek islands. Yeah, could I give you a little clue uh, by the name of Nick Giannopoulos? Mykonos. Mykonos. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know what? I fucking, I knew, I I just should have gone for Mykonos before I said the Greek islands. I mean, I just, I don't know why. I just felt like we were being inevitably drawn to Mykonos somehow. The power of Nick Giannopoulos was guiding us there. All right, we got two. We got two left. Um, Okay. uh, What is the one talent you wish you had? Um, is it to is it uh, to sing? To be able to sing, yeah, Ooh, yeah. He strikes one, me Charlie. as the lead singer of White Snake. And what scares Bailey Smith? It is an animal. Snakes? No. Nope. Uh, sharks. 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 He's yeah, scared of sharks. Fair enough. Wow. I feel like I don't know enough about Bailey Smith. I, I, I'm hoping we see more of him this year. So actually, speaking of players we want to know more about, mm. devastating. Devastating that our, our our number one player Matt Rowell, oh, we won't be seeing him on the field uh, for much of this year. Put uh, your, what a, all I would say is put your chorizo pastas out. Yeah, it's, that's it's, what we should have done. I mean, it was devastating. I tuned into that game specifically to specifically, watch him play, yeah, and then to see him injured so early into it, I was. I was like devastated for him, like I was devastated for Bob Murphy when he did his knee in 2016. I'm like, I barely know this Gold Coast kid, but he's catching my heart in such a way that I started, I've really started to catastrophize around the idea of what if we never get to see him? Like, what if he's one of those guys who just constantly comes back and then gets injured again? And the, the boy who loved football more than anybody else just is tormented by the fact that he never gets to play the game that he loves. I, you and I went through exactly the same emotions, it sounds like, because I tuned in just to watch him as well. And when he went down, I was like, oh, no. And then I started to think, did we make this happen? Is it mm. the way that we have like thrown so much attention on him? Have we just kind of like, have we cursed him by, you know, because we had sort of preempted, we we're going to have an entire year of talking about Matt Rowell and, you know, and, and soaking up the Matt Rowellisms or that kid from the Gold Coast. But then, you know, the next day I had 24 hours of digestion. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe this works in our favor a little bit in that the Gold Coast still need to have him being the face of the club. So maybe in return, we'll get a whole lot more of him doing media. Like they'll probably, you know, interview him before the games and we'll get a lot of updates on his injury and stuff. So I'm hoping, like, I, of course, I want to see him on the field. But if we can't have that, then I'm hoping that the Gold Coast publicity team just get him doing as much media as possible. So you and I have something to talk about each week. Do you think that when, you know, something as horrible as this happens in a sporting sense, and luckily it was, it isn't as horrible as it could have been, they're talking about yeah. the idea that maybe you'll be back in six weeks. So that's, that's a good scenario if that happens. But in a moment like that, when this kid has clearly just set himself for this game, for this moment, to finally be back doing what he loves, when he goes home that night, have they hidden the footballs? Yeah. Like, I have they... So. Or they bought him more. <laughs> <laughs> he goes home and there's a hundred and four <laughs> footies waiting for him. He literally opens his front door and it just like a wave of footies comes tumbling out of his apartment. Yeah. He's six weeks for the injury in the game to his knee and yeah. then another 12 weeks for tripping on footballs <laughs> that we'd hidden around his house. Yeah, I, th- I think that um, when you look at the injury, it's like, okay, well, because part of me is like, oh, fuck, is he going to be like a, a Charlie Kerno, where we just never see him because, you know, he's always just snapping. But <clears throat> I, he doesn't have that build. 
He doesn't have that kind of rangy build. And you look at the two injuries, they're both kind of, uh, they're not soft tissue. They're sort of like more structural freak accents. Like that dislocated shoulder was a collision injury. This one was just an, an awkward tackle. So you just you just kind of hope that there's no long-term, long-term damage in terms of how he keeps going forward. Because the other thing about it is, if you look at Paddy McCartan, you know, Paddy McCartan just never got a run at it because he kept having these, freak injuries you know and I know Paddy's was all to do with like head hits and concussion and stuff like that but you just would you just want him to have you know a, just a clear run at it where he doesn't have any kind of significant knee shoulder ankle anything like that just have a chance at having a crack at it yeah I feel for Paddy I think about Paddy a lot actually it's weird but he comes to my mind quite a lot and I think imagine you had your whole life set towards something and you were really great at it and it was the trajectory of what you were going to do and then just through no fault of your own in fact probably because you were courageous enough to you know run backwards into packs and put your body on the line then it's just all over and it just moves on so quickly that's Mm. the cruel thing about football is that you know he gets out of the system and you're suddenly like all right well sorry mate but mind out of sight yeah do you think if paddy mccartan had been playing in a pre-concussion era that he might still be on a list yeah, I think so. I think that, you know, clubs are worried about it because of the extra sensitivity around concussion, yeah. which they should be. Of course. What did you think of the new rule, the concussion sub? How do you feel about the sub? That seemed to be the big debating point out of the first round was the idea of the sub. What's your well, I don't really, take? Well, I don't really have a hot take on it. I think, you know, I think anyone who who is uh, surprised or outraged that it might be manipulated to give a team an advantage that a coach might – use it to, you know, swap out a player, um, you know, or fake an injury. Yeah, of course. So it doesn't particularly bother me. Like I I actually – I would have liked to see Steve Hawking take that approach though when people were interviewing him and they were like, well, aren't the coaches going to – and he'd be like, duh. Yeah, of course Like every time just went, duh. Yeah, of course they will, duh. Well, I think it's the coaches were the ones who pushed for the concussion sub is my understanding for it. They just – they wanted to have a backup in case there's an injured player. And look, I I don't – it's too early for anyone to be – everyone freaked out about the 50-metre uh, rule as well. Even I, when I first when I saw the first couple of incidents, was like, oh, that looks terrible. Mm. But now, after you see how yeah. free-flowing the game was, I'm like, oh, this is a great fix rule. the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. Fix the whole this thing. is the, the greatest rule in the last decade of football, without a doubt. It really is, though, don't you reckon? Like, I, it just well, so far, if so it continued to be like it was on the weekend, they were the best – that was that's the best weekend of football I've seen in a very long time. I thought yeah. all the games were entertaining. The ball was flying all over the place. If it continues like that for the whole season, it will be heralded as the greatest rule change in history. Well, it's I think it's the players adapt heaps faster than the supporters. They're professional athletes. They train this shit again and again. They get umpires down to training. It's drilled into them. They're not thinking about how this is unfair or you know that's bullshit or whatever. They just respond to the is there a whistle or, or not a whistle and. Like I think in the preseason, there was that one, you know, there's that one period where it was like two or three games in a row. There was seven given away, and people freaked out. But then there's only five for the entire round, and I just, I just love the way that it uh, opens up the game for the run and gun players. Like Brad Hill, like he had a fairly indifferent season last year, but he looked amazing because he just like can take the ball from anywhere and he's just so he's he can run at high speed for so long that you're gonna always pass the ball to him and and you want to bring the best players into the game and it's also inadvertently bringing you know forwards back into the game one-on-one contests like I think it's no I'm I'm a big fan I I I I, everyone always says oh you know AFL's the only uh, code in the world that changes the rules all the time that's not true (laughs) like other other codes do it as well and I think that you can tinker with shit because it's not like it's not like the American constitution where stuff is enshrined (laughs) you know and this is like we have to hang on to this thing forever because our forefathers we change it again when it doesn't work I like that about AFL we've talked about this a lot it's a constantly evolving game you know it's almost a battle between the coaches and the players but it's also then a battle between the administrators and the coaches to you know, reshape the game the coaches reshape it in their way and then the administrators change the rules so they have to reshape it in another way and they have to figure it out the most interesting thing about this season is whether those slower older lockdown teams yeah you know the ones that play in that style Geelong being one of those of course 
whether they will be able to adapt quickly enough to this or whether they will find a way of slowing down what is going on because it certainly does not suit those teams. No doubt some coach like a Hardwick or a Clarkson will figure out some tactic which renders it null and void, which will bring games to a grinding halt or stalemate or whatever it is, and then in three years' time we'll be changing the rule again. But that's fine. Like I think that's completely fine with me. Do you think – what's your – let's pick our overreactions of the week. Like there were some shock losses – who has what, – what's the biggest overreaction that Geelong are cooked, that Adelaide are back and Geelong are cooked? Is that the biggest overreaction of the week? I watched that game and, in fact, I was in Adelaide. So I was right across from the ground when it happened. So I was in Adelaide on Saturday, including went to breakfast and the Geelong players were where I was having breakfast. So I, I was like, geez, they're looking relaxed. You know, they're out having breakfast. They're in Adelaide. You know, they're able to be out in public. They don't have to be quarantined, any of these sort of things. You know, they had a huge crowd at the game. Like, you know, I watched that from my hotel room. And in that first quarter, (laughs) I could not understand what was going on because Adelaide (laughs) were just playing so well. It wasn't that Geelong were terrible. It was just that Adelaide were fantastic. Like, they couldn't miss. Being the greatest example of it. He just, every time he touched the ball, basically, he kicked a goal. Yeah. I think that was one of those examples of. Uh, one team being a little bit off and the other team just being red hot because I watched it as well. And I thought, you know, Adelaide brought great like endeavour and enthusiasm and you'd expect that, you know, they're the bottom ranked team taking on a grand final. So you always knew that they were going to come out firing. But normally what happens in that situation is that the younger, more experienced team, they fire all their shots in the first quarter and then they get clawed back. And it sort of did happen to an extent. Yeah. Geelong started That's basically to- almost what happened. Yeah. But then they just couldn't miss. Like if if – they, they didn't kick so straight and they they didn't have so much you know luck going their way, then Geelong probably would have won that game. But I was like fascinated to see like the hot takes, you know, people. The Sydney one was probably the bigger reaction that all of a sudden people like they're, you know, the Smokies to, you know, finish in the top eight and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, everyone just chill for a second, okay? Round well, one. Well, also... Like, I would like to say to all those people who think that Sydney are going to finish in the top eight, name more than six of their players. Yeah, That's my first challenge to you. But secondly, I think there's a big Brisbane overreaction the other way. There's a mm. lot of people riding off Brisbane's entire season. They were you know, shit in the preseason. They've taken their eye off the ball. They're not running hard enough, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, geez, it's, it's, it's round one. Yeah, it's crazy. It's funny too how like... It- People start analysing every aspect of that. I mean, because I know there's like 440 shows and they've got to analyse. But, you know, they're looking at Charlie Cameron's body language, you know. They're looking at Dane Zorko, like, you know, the way he's speaking to his teammates. And suddenly it's all, you know, evidence that they're not switched on. It's like, well, yeah, but t- like, there has to be a winner and there has to be a loser. And it's not like – I'm not saying Sydney won't play finals, but the way – the, the the narrative that was came out of that game was that, oh, you dickheads, you don't realise. John Longmire last year, he was playing the long game. He was playing 4D chess. You know, he played all the kids. He knew this was going to happen. It's like, all right, okay, sure, sure, sure. Let's just see how the season pans out. It's round one. Calm the fuck down. But they do have a lot of good kids. I will yes. say that. They've got a bit of that Port Adelaide from a couple of years ago where you're suddenly like, geez, three of your kids look – like, you got to love – um, I, don't, I can't remember what his last name is, but Errol. Yeah, Errol Flynn. New, yeah, he was – not sure you want to be associated with Errol Flynn those <laughs> no, days. I, I feel not. like his parents hadn't really done a lot of reading around that. No, it's a Turkish name, I believe. His father is Turkish, and that's where the name Errol comes from. But good to have an Errol back in the AFL, and he looks like he's going to be a real star. Well, the exciting thing is getting Buddy back this week. Like, mm. it's been two years – the uh, Swans have been forced to play the kids. They've sort of had an accelerated development. And now it's like, okay, so how does this work now with – when we're talking that, about this this 50-metre rule, the way it's opened up the forward lines and it's brought back the full forwards, and now you've got one of the best full forwards of all time. But you've also got a team that has developed all these great mid-sized and smalls in their forward line. How does that formula work? And who goes out of that side? I mean, maybe the Swans will make the eight. Now you've convinced me. <laughs> I think it was just more the idea that everyone wants to claim that they saw this coming. Like that, yeah. was, that was 
the overarching um, narrative I detected from media commentators was that we always knew that Sydney were doing this and this was always, a, you know, just a matter of time before they, they came out of the blocks like this. But I, I thought that was a really entertaining game to watch. I loved Joe Danaher kicking the first goal and grabbing his Brisbane Lions jumper and it's like, oh, they're going to lose, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never seen a more moz-tempting manoeuvre than that. Yeah, you did feel in that moment that it was a little too early to be grabbing the Lions jumper like it was all that it had ever meant to you. Like, you know, the idea that he had had Brisbane blood, you know, pumping through his veins since the day he was born. Yeah. What about Melbourne beating Fremantle? Does that tell you anything about where they're at? No. No, doesn't. No. Cause, and, I, and I think that that muted response from Melbourne supporters is probably more appropriate than I felt like the response to the Sydney win. I think Melbourne fans are kind of, they're so gun shy, but also like realists, you know, about that victory. I was expecting like a much better performance from Fremantle. We also had a lot of people contacting us about uh, Nat Fife's haircut. And I feel like we love haircuts on this show, but to comment on Nat Fife's haircut kind of feels like a moot point, don't you think? Because he is in a category of his own. I don't, I don't know we can make fun of Nat Fife for his appearance or his fashion choices or anything because that's sort of, it, it's in his DNA. Well, all I would say is that I think it was Kevin online who pointed out that he looked like he'd had his hair cut by his helicopter <laughs> and I thought that was a fair observation. Well, that was a great observation because Kevin's American and what I yeah. loved about that is he's either listened to enough of this show to kind of get the gist of what we make jokes about with Nat Five, or he's done his reading, but I actually gave him a thumbs up for that because I'm like, that's a good inside gag about Nat Five. Um, I put a question out on um, Twitter, Will, to our listeners. This is, might be the way we do our mailbag this year because it seems to be a much uh, more efficient way. Any questions or comments about the uh, round of footy we just saw? Um, so Scott uh, says, hey, the Cats were one year on average older than the 04 Lions and added more 30-year-olds. Was it a slow start or are they too old for 2021? Good question. I think slow start. Slow start. I, I mean, but missing Dangerfield for three weeks won't help. No. Uh, but I would say slow start. And this, there's a lot of discussion around that bump. It's pretty cut and dried, right? Like, I thought we've established that, you know, the head's sacrosanct and it's, if it's a high impact and the medical report goes against you, you're getting three weeks. Yeah, I think what you're not taking into consideration is that it was Patrick Dangerfield. That's, that's actually the argument, right? The argument is that people don't want to rub him out because he's Patrick Dangerfield. They don't want him to be ineligible for the Brownlow. We don't want to miss three weeks of having Patrick Dangerfield play. And I think that we all understand that he wasn't doing something completely reckless. Like if you play it in real time, you know, he, he's just a guy who goes really, really hard at the ball. And the nature of the way that he plays the game is sometimes this could happen. But yeah, I thought three weeks was right. That's the rule. Uh, if you're off the ground and they hit their head, it's like three weeks. Uh, on Dangerfield, Jack asks, a Dangerfield's white bandage on his forehead at the tribunal, bad prop or terrible prop? I didn't see mm. this. Did you see his bandaged head at the tribunal? No, but I'm hoping, like I, I'm getting a picture in my head like an Egyptian mummy. Yeah, I was thinking more it's like one of those ambulance chases, you know, court cases <laughs> where a guy's like, it's a worker's got, comp claim. He's got a neck brace. Yeah, it turns up in a wheelchair. In a neck brace. <laughs> Uh, like Harvey Weinstein being led into court. Yeah. Dangerfield. <laughs> he's got two two canes on a respirator. And when I say two canes, he's got cane corns and he's got <laughs> cane Lambert. <laughs> uh, Jack Sinclair's calves says St Kilda only had six jacks in the lineup on Sunday. What is yeah. the optimal number of jacks in the team? And would it be ethical for Ratten to force every player to legally change their name to Jack? I don't think you want to change all of them to Jack. The balance no. we have right now is the right number. Mm. That was a very gutsy win by the Saints, undermanned. If we have six Jacks in to perform like mm. that, then I reckon six is the magic number. Six is your kind of baseline Jack. So you've got a total of seven, did you say, on the list? Oh, I don't know, probably, yeah. Yeah, so every week one Jack knows that they're probably – like maybe a Jack could be a sub, but you only send them on if – like. Maybe that's what St. Kilda have to lobby for. We're happy to have a concussion, a concussion sub, but we also need a jack sub. I mean, if one it, of our jacks has to come off, we are able to put another jack back into the game. It, it's kind of bizarre, isn't it, when you think about it, that we had, if we had 18 players on the field, potentially one mm. third of our team could have been jacks. Could be jacks, yeah. <laughs> Scott writes in, 
Do you find tribunal or suspension talk really boring or is it just me? I always skip that part when watching 360. Yeah, I do. I find it kind of boring. So I think boring. It, so cut and dry. Um, I think I think that it, it's also, like you're saying, it's personality-based. In this case, it, w- it was Dangerfield. If it's a Toby Green, I find it mm. more interesting because he's a more hissable villain. Like if Toby Green had knocked a dude out, then I would be interested in that because it's like... But also, this is not how Toby Green would have knocked him out. He would have like karate kicked him in the head or something. This yeah. is... That that would be the difference. Like there would have been a football where the other player's head was and Toby would have gone to kick it out of the air and like kicked him in the head or something. <laughs> Uh, Samuel says, couldn't tell you who Jake Lloyd is even after being at the game on the weekend. I'm all too familiar with some kid named Errol though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mickey V says, should the deliberate out of bounds rule be guided by Siri's definition of the word deliberate? Oh, okay. So, hey Siri, what does deliberate mean? As an adjective, it means done consciously and intentionally. Do you want to hear the next one? No. Done consciously or intentionally. Or intentionally. Well, unconsciously, it can unconsciously be deliberate. Can you unconsciously um, be de- do something deliberately? Because if it's unconscious, then you are not making a choice to do it. Well, it probably said consciously and we just misheard, we it. misheard it. Yeah. Yeah. Deliberate. Um, <laughs> I would say I'm a bit of a last touch out of band, bounds man. I would have absolutely no problem if they just said every time it goes out of bounds, whoever touched it last, the opposition gets to kick it in. I, I, I think just the more that we keep play inside the ground and the more that we just keep it moving, you know, and we incentivize people not to kick it towards the boundary, it's good for the game. So I think I have no problem good. with them interpreting the way they tend to interpret, which is most of them are going to be deliberate unless it clearly was. Like, you know, a well, I also think that there is some skill in disguising a deliberate out of bounds. Um, Dougal Howard did a fantastic um, deliberate out of bounds in the last quarter on yep. Sunday where he was clearly exhausted and didn't want to have to like pick up the ball and, and, and take it back into play. And so, like, I think there is some, uh, I think we should be rewarding good acting. Like, I like to see a player like, go, oh, I'm fumbling the ball. I don't know how to pick it up. Because there's some players who are clearly, they're, they're so blown up. They start fumbling when they're like eight meters from the boundary line. The key to it is you have to be right on the boundary line and get butterfingers. You can't do it when you're running towards the boundary line. I, I, what I think we need in the, in the, no, not the lab. What do they call it? The bunker. In the bunker, Charlie. We need you or somebody like you to be an f- official uh, adjudicating on acting. Yep. We I need like a it. specific acting. So you can go to like, if it's in the goal, were they acting for that free kick? Were they acting deliberately? We go straight to the bunker. We've got a professional actor there who can assess the level of acting in that situation. Because you can't rely on a regular football umpire to also be an expert on what is good acting or bad acting. Could you, well, isn't, no, I was thinking, that, I was going to say, isn't there an umpire who used to be an actor? But no, I'm thinking mm. of, there's an ex-Melbourne footballer who got into acting. What was his name? Can't remember. Biz, Baz, Boz? Doesn't matter. Uh, this is from Phoenix. A uh, Essendon lost a six-goal lead to lose by one point while their coach just sort of watched the game from the sidelines. Question, do you think Ben Rutten forgot he was the full-time coach? Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I think, hope, I reckon after the weekend, he was probably wishes he could forget that he was the full-time coach of Essendon. What a debacle. I mean, we, we were very, very grim in our predictions for the Bombers um, in season 2021, and that could not have been a more on-script performance. It did nothing to make you think that they're going to be a really good team this year, did it? It was one of those ones where I don't Well, they think- did in the, in the first half. Yeah, they were 40 points up. Yeah, but even then you were like, they're not playing the best opposition in the world. Like, I don't think either yeah. of those teams are going to be particularly great teams. And they both were managed. Like, the, the worst sign for both of them, and I guess the best sign for both of them, was that they were able to score like 40 points in a quarter against the opposition team, but they're also the sort of teams that were able to give away 40 points in the quarter against yeah. an opposition team. <laughs> I think actually Matthew Lloyd said pretty much the same thing is like what that game proved is both teams are bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One team allowed eight goals and a half and then the second half, another team allowed eight goals and a half. Uh, Callum wants to know, is Dangerfield a danger on the field because his name is Dangerfield? Uh, I mean, that should have been his argument at the tribunal. He, he should, should be sponsored by the clothing brand Dangerfield. 
He should have come in and gone, I, I think you've heard of a thing called guys called nominative determinism, which <laughs> is where your name dictates who you are. And literally my name is Dangerfield. It could not be more yeah. of a blatant warning. Your Honour, objection, be- I point to Dan Butler, who is not in fact a butler. <laughs> <laughs> but who delivers silver service to his forward line. Uh, Daniel asks, would you rather be on trial? Would you rather be on trial for murder or in front of the MRO? Oh, um, uh, in front of the MRO, I think. Yep. MRO, hands down every day. Um, Josh wants to know, is the ruck the most overrated position in the game? No, um, absolutely not. I don't think not. it's overrated at all. I think it's a, it's pretty much adequately rated. It's essential to get first use. And a well, good ruckman are so bloody hard to find. Bulldogs know that better than anyone. Yeah, no, having Stefan Martin at the Bulldogs has completely changed my expectations of what this season could be, just based on the fact that the really big problem that we had was competing in the ruck. Like Tim English, he played an excellent game and he looks very dangerous forward and I think they're going to be just a really great combination. No, I think Ruck's really important. I mean, you look at Collingwood, most of the talk around Collingwood was, you know, Brody Grundy and the fact that, you know, they're not playing well because of Brody Grundy. I looked at North Melbourne's game on the weekend and I thought, fucking hell, that club, without Todd Goldsmith for the last decade. Goldstein. Gold, <laughs> or Goldsmith. What is it, what's his name? Goldstein, Goldstein or Goldsmith. Sorry, Todd Goldstein for the last 10 years. They would be a basket case. He is, like, he's held that together. Well, here's what I will say about North Melbourne, because Ben Cunnington wasn't playing, and they shot to him in the crowd. I didn't realise that his advanced hair job still makes him look like he's kind of bald. Have you seen right. his hair? Mm, it's not like a full... Of it. It's not like a Shane Warne-style full head of hair. He's just really kind of... It just make me look slightly less bald is basically the slightly look that he's rocking. Bald. Right. So is it kind of like, uh, is it like Nick, Nicolas Cage, clearly I'm going bald, but there's a few strands just hanging on? Yes. Or is it more doll's head? <laughs> no, it, no, no, it's not doll's head, but it is definitely, you go, like if you didn't know he'd had hair put on, you'd assume it was a shot of a guy losing his hair. Reese wants to know, are you guys planning anything special for the Two Guys One Cup in round 10? Maybe a live pod from the game. That sounds like a lot of work. Mm. I don't know we will do anything like that, but I don't know. I mean, maybe. This is the Two Guys One Cup Cup, I imagine, you're you're talking about here. Round 10 will be interesting because we'll both have a real sense of how our seasons are going to go by round 10, so... What we could do maybe is if we watch it together is we could do a little live reaction video. We'll have our studio set up by mm-hmm. then. So maybe we can do like immediate thoughts after the game. One winner, one loser. Yeah, okay. That sounds fun. Uh, Hammer wants to know, should we consider a bank of iPhones with Siri turned on at the end of each ground to replace the goal umpires? What? I don't quite understand that. Why? A bank of phones with Siri turned on to replace the goal umpires. Mm. But as in, you ask the goal umpires. Mm. Reese has come in with a with an with another question. Maybe it's a follow up. I oh, know. So Reese has just chimed in to comment on the other uh, uh, the other the other listener mm-hmm. who was asking about the Jackson team. He wants a starting eighteen of Jacks. <laughs> Former players <laughs> accepted as well. Um, all right, that's uh, that's that's our uh, our mailbag for this week. And that's probably the episode for this week. Um, we have another uh, we have another podcast called Tofop, uh, which you might like. It's kind of like this with slightly less football chat. Slightly. <laughs> like mainly we talk about horses. The last month we're talking a lot about a particular horse. Um, but you can go to tofop.com to check out uh, Tofop and all our other great podcasts. Will has one called Willosophy, which is a real smart, highbrow, star-studded show. Who's on this week? Uh, episode 200 with Russell Howard, one of the uh, biggest comedians in the entire world. So it was great to have Russell on the show. Oh, and I'm doing some live shows, speaking of shows. Um, so at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival from April the 6th, I am doing my show, Will Legal. So if you are in Melbourne and you want to come and see my show about being arrested on the way to Wagga Wagga, then please come and see Will Legal during the Comedy Festival. And I can't believe we've gone the entire episode without mentioning the fact that I do a, another footy podcast without you. Mm. Uh, it's a spin-off of Two Guys, One Cup oh, yeah. called My Club. And uh, this week... Uh, Who's on this week? Charlie Pickering. No, is that right? 
Yes, yeah, Charlie Pickering Charlie was on Pickering. this week. And coming up coming up this Friday is Sam Mack, Adelaide Crow supporter Sam Mack. Gold Logie nominee Sam Mack, who has a book coming out soon called Accidental Weatherman. Um, but that was a great chat. Sam's really funny. I know a lot of Adelaide supporters were uh, asking who I was going to get um, for the Adelaide episode. A lot of people were saying Fitzy, and I decided to zig when people thought I was going to zag. Fitzy seemed to be the obvious choice. Um, but if you, uh, if you are an Adelaide Crow supporter, Sam Mack is definitely a legit. Sometimes I get these people on and I'm like, oh, no, what if I expose them for just being a charlatan? They've been to like one game or something. <laughs> Sam Mack is definitely not one of those guys. I mean, I think the thing about Sam is you can get him pretty much talking on any topic and you're going to get an entertaining hour. But this was a really good chat around the Adelaide Crows. Um, was there anything else from that first weekend that we haven't covered off that we really <laughs> needed to cover off? My favourite line of the entire round was um, uh, Ben McAvoy, uh, Hawthorne captain, gets called for a throw because he slapped the ball on and out of a pack and the umpire called it a throw. And McAvoy mm. said, it wasn't a throw, it was a tap. And the umpire said, I looked at it, it was a throw. And McAvoy's gone, mate, I do this for a living. <laughs> 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 that was a great comeback. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Was, what were the other big stories of the round? Was, uh, okay, so uh, we covered off. Rich, Richmond, Richmond is still good. Collingwood backs further yeah. against the wall. GWS, what, possible? Nah, who knows? Who knows? Early. It's round one. We can't make any big – let's not get hysterical. Uh, if I was yeah. going to make a big prediction, here's my big prediction at round one, and it's not that big a prediction – but Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide look fucking amazing. They yeah. weren't playing a great team, but geez, they've got a star-studded lineup. I would say at Port Adelaide. Yeah, I mean, if you're an Essendon supporter, to see Fantasia running around for Port and Danaher kicking the first goal for the Lions, and then you lose when you're forty points up, like, I mean, maybe karma is a real thing because it felt like they bounced back from the drug scandal fairly quickly and they got all those great draft picks. But maybe it's just karma. Just wanted to play the long game. Yeah, yeah, we'll let you think you got away with this for the first three, four years, but then you're going to have some real shit to eat for the next few. Yeah. Karma is the John Longmire of uh, <laughs> principles. Been working on, of been universal work, principles. Been working on this plan for years. <laughs> play on, not 15. Ball. We are two guys, one car.